Hey everyone, welcome to Seth Rudetsky's Back to School. This week, my guest is the talented, well, I'm gonna say multi-talented, because he's such a great singer too, Skylar Aston. And one of the really cool things is that when he was a teenager, he won the role of Javert in Fantini. I actually got to play Javert on Broadway in this like teenage version of Les Miserables. And this story doesn't really have anything to do with high school, but I was triggered to remember it because I was thinking about Skylar and Les Mis. So I was in the orchestra for Les Mis for a while back in the day, and my first Fantine was Andrea McArdle. <laughs> That's one of my favorite stories. So Andrea told me, now, by the way, if you don't know, Andrea played Fantine, and Fantine, you know, dies in Act 1. Spoiler alert, Siri, you've had 40 years to see the show. In Act 2, the actress who plays Fantine comes back to be in all the barricade scenes. She dresses as a boy. She plays um, the character of the bullet boy and is in all the barricade scenes. So Andrea, you know, told me that she never had to really worry about her figure in the show because the costumes were so big. So she was constantly munching on quarter pound bags of M&Ms backstage. So she's eating this quarter pound bag of M&Ms and then she's going to go do the barricade scenes, puts it in her pocket. And then she realizes her friends are in the audience and she's like, oh my God. She's like, I want my friends to like be impressed by my death scene because you can kind of do different things for your death scene. So she said, she decided when she gets shot, she wanted her friends to be really impressed. So the moment comes, she climbs to the top of the barricade and right when she gets shot, instead of just kind of falling, she hooks her foot into the barricade. P.S. She used to be a gymnast when she was younger. Hooks her foot into the barricade and flings her body backwards. Completely forgot she had a quarter pound bag of M&Ms in her pocket. So they all spill down the side of the barricade. The most beautiful rainbow of colors, the most beautiful anachronistic rainbow of colors spilling down the side of the barricade. And P.S., the stage is raked in Les Mis, meaning that it's tilted forward. So Andrea said it spilled down the side of the barricade and then <laughs> spilled all the way into the pit. So it rained down on the musicians. By the way, one of the only nights I wasn't playing Les Mis, I didn't get to have the delicious M&M treat treats from Andrew McArdle's pocket. Probably they were actually partially melted. Anywho, the point is... Um, She's unprofessional, but she's hilarious. She said she got written up by equity. All right, get ready for Seth Rudesky's Back to School with the multi-talented Skylar Aston. Dreading morning classes. Stealing bathroom passes. Football. Drivers and SATs. Bullies that attack me. Why do I have back knee? Jock straps. Training bras. Frenemies. We remember back then. It's like freshman year again. Ready, steady, now you're in it. Pencil, stop this any minute. Zach Rudesky's Back to School Skylar Aston. No! Hey everyone, welcome to Seth Rudetsky's Back to School. You might know today's guest from Pitch Perfect, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, or The Broadway. Please welcome Skylar Aston. Hi, Sky. Hi, Seth. How are you? I guess first question first, when did you drop the Judaica Lipstein? When you were in high school, when you got the hell out of high school? I'll tell you what, it was right about... I'd say sophomore year of high school, I was hip pocketed by the lovely Nancy Carson, who said, drop it, because you'll work more probably. As an agent? As a total agent. No, she was totally an agent. And I was at Stage Door Manor of the Performing Arts Camp. Match. And uh, she saw me there. And I was selected to, you know, she sent me on readings for the Me Nobody Knows, which I booked, and Timmy the Great, which I booked. I know, but here's the thing. It came out in 1971 on Broadway. So the version you booked, I guess, was a one-week off-Broadway reading. Continue. That's exactly right. But I did work with some cast members of Rent, which was a big deal at that time for me. Okay, I understand. I appreciate that. What was your song, by the way? Light Sings? No, it was I Love Girls. I love what the girls got. Love that thing. It was cut. I was going to say, it's not on the album either. All right, continue. But it got you booked as a non-Jew. 
it got me totally booked as a non-Jew. I'm never like secretive about the fact that my real last name is Lipstein. It's basically a parenthetical at this point in my life. But yeah, I think at that time, I just think I would have been seen for more roles, which kind of like now in 2021 standards feels weird. Like I should be embracing it more. Maybe I'll change it back to Lipstein. You got to change it back to Mellencamp. Anybody? Reference from the 80s? Thank you. Um, Sky, is your middle name Aston? Or was it just mm-hmm. like, I'm going to be listed? For- okay, cool. No, it's, I would, that's, that's where I think it distinguishes me. I don't love, like, I can't name it like Skylar White or like Skylar Neon or something like crazy like that. I can't just pick a name. That feels false. Okay, where'd you go to high school? When'd you graduate? I went to high school at Clarkstown High School North in Rockland County. I graduated in 2005. Okay, talk me through a typical day of you in high school. Who woke you up? Who made you breakfast? Who got you to school? Oh my God. Well, at that point, I was waking up from my alarm, an old school alarm, not like a phone alarm. And I would toast my own bagel and I would take the bus when I was a freshman. But then my brother was a senior when I was a sophomore. So he would drive me in his Toyota Celica, which I then got for my junior year when I could drive. So those were my methods of transportation. Toast your own bagel. Was Nancy Carson like, you really should have porridge because bagel really... (laughs) Right. Way too Jewish. She's like, and milk, you want to kind of drink more with dinner. That's kind of what they do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what they do. There you go. Okay, so, um, okay, so you begin freshman year in high school. At that point, were you a theater geek? Or were you like, I'm into sports, man? I was transitioning. I was doing a little bit of both. I had gotten into theater when I was in middle school, like eighth grade. So I had totally gotten bitten by the bug. My life did a total 180. And I started going to Stage Door Manor instead of the sports camp I was previously attending. And I auditioned for Guys and Dolls as a freshman and was lucky enough to get Sky Messerson. So it was one of the few times that a freshman was playing the lead. Oh my God, wait a minute. How much Mean Girls hate did you get? Were you showgirls? Were you pushed down the stairs? I don't know. I mean, I think it wasn't like in a Stage Door Manor kind of setting, totally. But like, I feel like in a public school in Rockland County, I think like the other two boys were like, yeah, (laughs) <laughs> okay <laughs> literally two boys amazing literally okay so did you play any sports in high school we really just like it's over yeah no i i stuck with baseball at that point because i was just kind of the best at that i liked basketball the most but i actually could play baseball pretty well and would like travel and play you know all the summer leagues and stuff like that did you ever have a real high school musical where it was like, you've got to choose between Catcher or Sky yes. Masters? <gasps> Let me hear. Yes. I am the original Troy Bolton before it was even a movie. Like my way in, and you know my mom, shout out to Meryl Lipstein. She got me into theater because I had been playing piano since I was five. And she knew that I loved going to Broadway and I loved listening to the soundtracks. And basically... I was on the basketball team or at least trying out for the basketball team. And that actual same day were the Helen Hayes Youth Theater auditions for Godspell. Mm. And so I'm a ripe age of 13 and a half. And I remember the audition was ending at six and that's when my tryouts also ended. So I knew I wasn't going to make it. Uh. They happened to be running late and like a beacon they saw a boy in a basketball uniform, nonetheless, walk into this audition. I mean, that's what I'm saying, the original Troy Bolton, and drop their stuff. And yeah, they saw me, asked me to sing Happy Birthday. I happened to know Corner of the Sky because my sister would listen to Broadway kids' soundtracks in the car and happens to be the same composer, Stephen Schwartz. And I was lucky enough, again, due to the lack thereof boys to get the role of Jesus. And I had to pick between basketball 
and theater. And initially it was going to be basketball all the way. And some, I just couldn't quit on this. Like I was so, it was also new to me and I was a little freaked out and I was definitely nervous, but something about it, I just couldn't leave the show, even though it was a new thing for me. And then when I went on stage for the first time, it really clicked. Like it was one of those moments where I was like, this is actually what I want to do. I have a future in this. I love this and I don't want to do anything else. Immediately signed back up for Helen Hayes, immediately renewed that. And then, you know, went to camp and got Nancy Carson and stopped being Jewish. Amazing callback. What about first kiss? Was it like you and Sarah Brown or like then you started dating? No, although Sarah, the girl that did play Sarah Brown, who was a senior, we had the cast party at Adelaide's house. And basically, <laughs> as you do, and I remember her like explaining to everyone in the cast, like the kind of kisser I am. She's like, no, he does this. And so she'd be like, like, come here, come here, come here. And she was basically like kissing me. But I remember giving the feeling of like, wait, we're not on stage. Like, we're not even in character. Like, you're just kissing me at a party. Like, this is technically real life. So yes, I guess I did kiss Sarah Brown, like, off campus. But my first kiss was actually in sixth grade with Ashley Globerman. Sixth grade? Mm-hmm. You were a player? I was just crushed a lot. Wait a minute. So then any long-term girlfriend in high school are like, whatever, man, who's ever around is my thing. No, no. I was mon- serial monogamous. I always had a girlfriend. Brooke Andrews. Shout out, like, you know, big stick. <laughs> uh, once I got into theater, I just, I only wanted to be with like those types of people. I just like could only connect to theater people. Any heartbreak? So much. Doesn't sound like it. It sounds like relentless people interested in you. I mean, yes, but you could lose interest. I mean, I've had, I tend to like, when I was 14, I dated a 16 year old and I was dating like two years older. So that was a conflict of interest when they had older boys than them that were interested in them. So I would constantly get beaten out by that. That was a, definitely a, a pattern I've noticed. But is that crying at your pillow or it just sounds like, hey, no, no, actual pain, heartbreak. Yo, no, I've been cheated. Oh my God. Yes, I cried. Of course. I'm now seeing it in retrospect. So I have like a smile on my face and it's all fun. And like these names are like chuckling me. But of course I had absolute heartbreak and just, yeah, all the things. I get it. You had the ups and the downs. Any after-school jobs? Yes. I was a telemarketer for a mortgage company, but I was trying out my dialects at that point. It was like, it was, again. Oh my God, you're a mess. So first of all, A, you're in high school with a job that people have in their mid-20s. True. B, you would call people and instead of sounding like you, what were your accents you would use and what would you say? I don't really want to do them now. I don't think it's probably the right thing to do. Um, Surely you could do Irish, something not offensive. Yeah, okay, right, sure. I think I would do that if there was like McCoolahan, you know? I would like try to appeal to the people that I was talking to or just try out, yeah, just try out different voices because the whole point is you were not supposed to ever say your actual name. Like you're supposed to have your own anonymity. So yeah, if you're talking to a telemarketer and they say their name is James, it's probably not James. So, yeah, uh-huh. So I would just get very creative about the names I would choose, the kind of voices. The, it wasn't even so much dialect. It was more of just like the attitude and just like trying different things out. And I did pretty well because I would just pick up what they were putting down a little bit. And all I had to do is just get their current interest rates and a couple little things, send it off to my supervisor and I'd make commission. What about the local ice cream store? Why telemarketing? Yes, I also was a deli boy at like, a, you know, organic grocery store and made wheatgrass for hippies and like, smoothies and all sorts of things. And, I, you know, once I was 18, I could finally use the deli slicer when I was 16. 
I mean, I had a bunch of little knickknacks. I also worked at Hollister for a hot, you know, few weeks. The worst, by the way. Why? What was so bad about it? Just because it was like owned by Abercrombie. And I wore, I liked that at that time. And it was the cool thing. And like, it was so corporate yet cool. So they like made you say these taglines. You can never just be like, hi, how are you? Can I help you with anything? You'd have to be like, hey, do you support our flops? Or like, can I help get you into some good fitting jeans to like some middle-aged man or, or not, or high school girl or something, which is like another level of creepy. Yeah, and they would have spies from corporate make sure that you're using these taglines. Also like the managers used to totally flirt with the girls that were on staff. So like, I would never get the right hours, like the good hours. It was very political at Hollister when I was working there. Do not have a good experience. I left that real quick. Do you support our flops, meaning do you want to try them on? Yes. But like, yeah, there's some idiot, not idiot, by the way, all due respect to people that have these jobs. But I mean, there's some what would now be called like head of content or head of marketing or something that comes out with these like, and we would get told them like, hey, have you heard the new taglines for this week? It's like, yeah, I just don't know if I could talk about (laughs) visors anymore in that context. It was always like a little bit flirty. And a little bit like creatively, like a way to get into like a very specific garment. Survisors. Such a great analysis. Um, (laughs) Any injuries in high school? Yeah, I still have like a nagging injury that I got uh, playing basketball. I'd knock knees with this guy, Ryan Bland, and it made such a loud sound. And I was the one on the fast break. I was the one with the ball and he was just trying to get in my way and make a defensive stop. And we knocked knees. It was so embarrassing because I went down so hard and he looked like Thor or something. He's just standing there like, what happened? I guess it's kind of like in the laws of physics, like one goes and the other one just stays solid. And so my knee just like went. And it was the most immediate pain I've ever been in my life. I was like wincing. And I still have a tender spot there. It gave me this disease called Osgood Schlatter, which sounds like a dentist or accountant, but it isn't. It's actually just a fancy way of saying tendinitis, which I have for the rest of my life. Osgood Schlatter, it also sounds like the Yiddish word for, well, talk about it privately. Okay, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> it means uncircumcised. Anyway, um, okay, next question. What did you do on the weekends? Were you like, I just hang out with my pals and go to the mall, man, or vocalizing? By the way, that's a really good impression of me. Um, I, mm. Mm. <laughs> I think I would just go. <laughs> um, I, I can imagine I just have the same answer. Right, I, exactly. <laughs> go to the mall, man. I was like, that's kind of rude. Anyway, I guess I would just go to the mall. Uh, I, it would depend. I, like, I would be rehearsing, like doing community theater. There was one time where I was doing like three plays at a time. One was the applause theater workshop. So I was like commuting. I was like the busiest 16-year-old in the tri-state area. So it depends like what year, because I fully disappeared from my like friend group in high school for my entire freshman, sophomore and junior year. And then once I got into NYU, I was like, I should have a senior year and like reconnect with my friends. And I had a really fun time with like my like childhood buddies who weren't like into theater and I had a really good like fun senior year. And you dropped all your theater friends? I read that book. Not true. Not true. <laughs> no, I kept all of them. I just, I like, literally, I remember my friends be like, where have you been for two years? And I was like, I just wasn't doing as many plays because I was kind of like gearing up for school. And so, yeah, of course I preserved my friendships, but I, I also was, uh, you know, by the way, at that point I was doing the Lincoln Center American Songbook Series Workshop of Spring Awakening. So I was like also kind of dipping my toe into the 
auditioning in New York space. So you reconnected with your old friends senior year, but kept your new friends as well. Of course. I'm just rephrasing. Is there a moment in high school you could think of that had a before and after mm. where everything changed? Well, yeah. Honestly, booking Spring Awakening. All the things that I booked in New York just put me in a different place. Not to say like in an ego way, not to say like I had in my equity card all of a sudden. I just remember I was so much more interested in driving to New York and having friends that were like just way older than me, like way more experienced. I did a play with like Robert DeJesus, who was coming oh. fresh off of the camp movie and Telly mm-hmm. Lang and like all these great people that I was getting to know and like getting to work with and people that I was seeing on broad and like seeing... I remember the idea of just feeling like I'm not a member of the community, but I'm close enough to the theater community where I have friends in Broadway shows. That was just the coolest thing. Like I have always supported friends and seen them at the JCCY production of the pajama game, but to be also like, Oh, my friend Trent is in uh, rent. So I got to check it out. That felt like I was a part of something bigger and that I could actually like see a future in it. You know, it's funny because I talk to people that grew up in, other places and it's you're so much luckier growing up in New York because you know how real it can be and people don't realize that in other states they think it's just impossible to have a life as a performer right let me ask you what did you fear your adult life could be like what was your big fear I'd still a fear like that I'd have to do something else and I guess get a nine to five I mean nothing against nine to fives I just I'd never like celebrate the highs too much because then I fear that I dwell on the lows and like even after I've had big success on Broadway or even success in the movie space like it's still a struggle to then stay there or diversify yourself further and show people that you could even do more so yeah I'd say like you I always have a fear that this could go away but I I still bet on myself every time. I just think that like that kind of little anxiety if it's in a healthy way like it keeps you going and it keeps you humble. Okay, but you weren't like, oh my God, what if I'm not talented? It was just the generic, like, I don't want this to go away. I hope it lasts. I don't know. I mean, like I collected unemployment for quite some time when I was in LA. I mean, I definitely almost had to get a job a couple of times post Spring Awakening because I was out here, pilot didn't get picked up and that's all you got to live on for the year. And I had a few years like that, just things that could become six year will and graces, you know, just go away like that because okay. one person says, no, thank you. Ooh, it's a horrible business. Um, when you mentioned highs, I suddenly thought, what were the high holidays like in the Lipstein household? <laughs> oh, such a blast. You know, great breakfast on Yom Kippur. And Rosh Hashanah was always a very special time. We would just, that was our Christmas, I think. I mean, that was like, those are also the, as a Reformed Jew, the only times you do go to temples. So yeah. they are actually holy and uh, we do observe. And I think it's really important to reset. I also still to this day fast. I fasted this wow. year at Zoe's. On your TV show while you were filming? Full TV show in a pandemic while I was filming and like dialogue and like emotion even, dare I say. But not like the emotion that I could have used my starvation in. And it's always, everyone always, (laughs) everyone that doesn't deal with Yom or doesn't do Yom Kippur or really fully understand it always is so tripped out by the fact that you can't drink water. They're just like, what do you mean? You can't drink water. I'm like, we're truly fasting. Because like, it would be a lot easier if you could drink water. That's one of the hardest parts. You're like actually thirsty as well. You know, I always have friends that sort of modify their fasting. I have this friend who's a comic. His name is Jaffe Cohen. And his mother kept changing the rules. So finally, um, Kippur, her version of fasting was like not having the cheese on a tuna melt, which I (laughs) so understand. Like, I'm fasting. It's not called fasting. Um, (laughs) 
Okay, what about the prom? Did you go numerous times with all your girlfriends? I only went to one prom. I went to my prom. I remember junior ball being better than my prom. Why is that? It just was like a funner time. We went into the city. Oh my God, this is actually awful. I got into a fight. Like a fight fight. Wait, like my who's better, Glenn Close or Bad of the Pwn? That kind of a fight? Yes. And I was like, how is this even a conversation? You should have <laughs> seen you. it. People stopped and filmed it because I was just making such good points about training. <laughs> it's valid and, uh, points. No, it was so awful. It was, it was we, we went to like a club in New York, probably weren't supposed to be there, or it was like 18 and under, get a mm -hmm. stamp or something, you can't drink. And my friends got kind of jumped by these dudes from Staten Island. And it was one of these situations where we were like in a fight and like some of us won, some of us did not win. No one got really badly injured, but like my friend Ryan had a black eye forever, but it was so weird because I've never, I actually train in martial arts and I barely, but like since knowing how to fight remotely, I've never gotten into a fight. I hate violence. I, it's purely for self-defense. It's also just like for a good workout. But at this point in my life, it was like a fight or flight thing. And it was just so weird to be in a fight without any like warning, really. A couple words back and forth, but then it was just like four on four. It was like a really weird, yeah, it was really crazy. So that was pre-martial arts training? Pre-martial arts, yeah, oh yeah. I had no idea how to throw a punch or anything. And so what you have really... like just sassy Batman? Yeah, well, I did like a, you know, kind of the Jerome Robbins kind of knee up and the hands go out to second. No, it was, it, it was hurt uh, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I looked cool and scared them off because <laughs> your passe was fierce. Yeah. I mean, what did yeah. you, you actually like you, instead of running, you actually joined in the fight. Why not just run the hell I out? I was in it. Like a guy was on me and I was just punching him oh and it was God. just messy. And I remember seeing my friend Ryan get punched and. And like my friend was on like the hockey team, Jeff Samuels. And so we were all kind of athletic and like we defended ourselves for sure. And like it ended and it scrapped and they like, we, everyone just went their own separate ways. And I think I was okay, but I don't even, it was such a blur. It was such a weird thing. I can't believe I'm talking about that. I like forgot that happened. And do you even know what triggered it? Yes. They were, you know, someone was saying a really mean remark towards my friend's girlfriend. And rather than completely just ignoring it, I think my friend said something and one word, two words, and you're fighting. Like that's how quickly it happened. It was so juvenile, machismo, childish, awful. I remember the guy had like a red Jersey Shore haircut, like carrot top Jersey Shore was one of the main guys. Do you have one memory that kind of perfectly encapsulates who you were in high school when you're like, that is so me? Oh my God. Well, now I'm getting like sweet about it, but I did sing Impossible Dream at my graduation. And that was just like a really proud moment for my family. Why was that so you? Because you loved pleasing your family or because you were so optimistic? I don't know. It just, <laughs> it was kind of an interesting way to show my high school classmates, like, this is me. Like, this is what I want to do, even to sing, like, a particularly Broadway-style ballad. I remember I initially wanted to do, like, Billy Joel's This Is The Time, and the principal was like, it's always been my wish for someone to sing at graduation, and it's always been the impossible dream. And, of course, huh. Meryl was very excited. And it was something I was maybe a little worried about how it would go over, even though they've seen me in the musical. I just think that this is, like out of the auditorium, it's more like here we are, us seniors, and people know me as like being, also being a baseball player and this, but I just think that it was like, I don't know, it was just like a really beautiful moment. My entire extended family was there. 
I'm sure there were many people that thought that that was extremely lame. And uh, not to say like, I'm so brave, I sang at my graduation, but I don't know, it just, it, it felt like, it's one of those situations where I didn't build it up in my head, but then when it happened, it felt really special. Sounds like you had a really good relationship with your parents all through high school. You never got in trouble. Did they ever get ground you or anything? Yeah, they did. But like, I was really honest with them. And now I've even let them know, even when they came out recently, actually, I haven't seen them in 14 months, but they're all vaxxed. And I got to hang out with them. And I was talking with them. And I was like, I mean, look, you guys didn't know everything. But <gasps> you definitely knew enough. Like, you know, like knew, like two beers was maybe four. And I couldn't tell them that I smoked any sort of weed, that that wouldn't have been cool. But other than that, they knew everything. They knew where I was actually going and they knew that things would be there. And there was even a couple instances where I called them to pick me up, which a lot of kids would just think would be like, so not the thing to do. But anytime I sensed actual danger, I'd be like, hey, meet me down the street. And I would take like my buddies, if whoever wanted to come and we'd go back to my house. Wow, you were close. We were really close. And like, I just knew that fighting against it was not going to lead to anything good. Like I was never going to make my parents the chill house who we could have parties at and like drink in the bay. As long as it's at my house, you get underage drink. Like that wasn't happening. But yeah, I, you know, my mom would be waiting in the kitchen and ask for a kiss. Hello. And we all know what that test is Uh the breath test. And I kept it respectful. There was one time where I got really, really drunk and came home and I was like struggling and my parents were like, Skyla, you know, from their bedroom. And I was like, yeah, they're like, are you, I mean, it was just a sound of a drunk person. So they were just like, are you drunk? And I was like, yes, (laughs) I need you to help me throw up because I just had a lot of tequila. And how do they quote unquote help you throw up? I don't know. Just sit with me. And just like, I told them like everything. It's just like when you're in like a place where you're like, I'm sick and like, I'm not super needy with them, but I think that like they like to be needed. Not that I was doing them a favor. I truly needed them. And I think this was a time where they're like, oh, yes. And was I punished? Absolutely. But like most of my punishment was just like telling them what happened and living with like the fact that I was like, well, yeah. And I chugged it and, you know, it really snuck up on me. And the next day we went out to like the diner and my dad just kept saying the word tequila because it would make me actually like have a physical response. And that was also a little bit of my punishment. And they also like loved in hindsight, like now I can actually drink tequila and it doesn't make me sick. But like they, to this day, they'd be like, oh, but watch him around tequila. He can't handle it. I'm like, I was 18. <laughs> but I love that the biggest punishment you got from them was disapproval on the light side. Yeah, I mean, that's not the biggest punishment. I was grounded. I was grounded for typical things kids are grounded for. I I think that they would say I was a pretty good kid. It's time for This or That. In this segment, I make my guest choose between two pop culture sensations from their high school years. Were you more into Mariah, Pink, or Beyonce? Mariah. I was going to say of the three Pink and Beyonce, just the solid vocals. I mean, Mariah, you know, it began to get lower and lower. Yeah, but I mean, I was listening to like Always Be My Baby and like all those kinds of things. I mean, Mariah was like a 90s thing for me. So even in high school, I was listening to her 90s songs. Okay, so you're living in the past. Got it. This is the big one. Les Mis or Phantom? Oof. I got to ask. Les Mis. I knew it. I mean, come on, because really there are 45 roles for you in Les Mis. There's maybe yeah. a role for you in Phantom and it's Raul and really who cares? 
How dare you? I could sing Phantom, maybe. Yeah, but you're too young. Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, sure. Oh, like right now. I understand. Yeah. But like, no. No, I you can... can sing Phantom. It's a solid A flat. Yeah, I got that. What was the role you were fantasizing about playing in Les Mis? Please say Eponine like I was. Well, I've done Les Mis so many times. I did it in high school. I did it on the MTI reference recording. So I played Angera. I played Valjean at Stage Door. And I played Javert in the special finale performance on the initial Broadway run. And you're still not old enough for any of those roles. Excellent. <laughs> I know. Angera is the one. Okay. In terms of American Idol, Kelly Clarkson or Fantasia? Kelly. Yes. Oh, that was an amazing year. Were you rooting for her from the get-go? Yes. And I got to sing a moment like this on Zoe's this year. It's very exciting. The Justin Guarini version? Because he also sang that. No, the Kelly version. Obviously. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> in his key. Just saying. Okay. In terms of um, Fight to the Death, I think they both hated each other. Britney or Christina? At that time, Britney. That's eh, still kind of Britney, actually. So you don't care about just complete lack of vocals? Lip syncing is fine? I was so into her. Like, she was a big crush. Like, the um, Baby One More Time CD. Like, the, you, you would pull out the CD liner, and it was like a full poster. And so that was it for me. So it wasn't based on vocals? No, not at the time. But no, it, it, I think when it comes to vocals, yes, Christina. Okay, too little, too late. Um, boy bands, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, which one? Then NSYNC, now Backstreet Boys. Because they're still doing it. They still tour, and they still put out new music. They keep it real? They do. By the way, I love their song, Don't Go Breaking My Heart. It came out in 2018. I don't think NSYNC could say the same. Okay, but back then it was NSYNC. That's what we're talking about. It was, er, it was, I don't know, man. I really like Backstreet Boys, especially, it went Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, and then back to Backstreet Boys. When Backstreet was back, all right? Yeah, I know, I know they came back. But was this one of the things that you were like, one day I'll be O-Town? Were you hoping to be like a boy I band? Wish. I, yeah, I even wrote a show about like a former boy band star who's like the JC Chazé and like, you know, there's the Justin Timberlake and now he's like living with his mom in New Jersey and it was like, a cute little show. And uh, I now have gotten to live out some boy band fantasies on Zoe's. I sang Tearing Up My Heart this season. I did Bye 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 last year. So if we get a season three, I hope, I want that to be a thing. Like every year, Max gets at least like one <laughs> boy band song. You get to live your dream. Okay. Um, we will iPod iPod mini. iPod. More songs, more storage. I had too many Mariah Carey 90s songs to put on there. Well, were you initially an MP3 player? Yes, of course. Wow. I've gone from cassettes to CD Walkmans to interesting generation, the like born in 87 thing. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm old enough to remember when my older cousins were talking about, you know, like record players and boom boxes yeah. and the A-tracks. And then like I got in on the cassettes like hard with Ace of Bass and Joseph and the Amazing Technical and Dreamcoat. Which version? Lori Beachman, Janet Metz. Original Broadway cast recording. Lori Beachman, I support that. Even though Janet Metz did take it up two steps. <laughs> This is High School Versus Now, where we find out how much my guest has changed since high school. Okay, they're doing Godspell in your high school and you get cast as the cover for all the boys. They need someone who's a great musician to be able to go on for anyone, just in case someone misses the three-day run. How do you react? Even though you know that you sing better than all of them, but they need a strong musician to cover. To be a swing in a high school production of Godspell? Yeah, they just want to make sure in case anyone gets sick that weekend... Sorry, I'm doing applause in New York at this point. I think I've been, yeah. Sorry. And I know there are no small parts. I wouldn't give that advice now. But at that point, I was just wanting to, I don't know, actually, though, learning all the roles, that could be kind of like a good education. Still going to say no. 
Okay. It went in and out. Okay. So now it's today when you're on a TV show where everybody sings, you and this other guy, he's not really a singer, but he can scream really high. So they give him Bohemian Rhapsody. And they're like, cause your voices are pretty. We've got to give you the only Broadway song we have the rights for. More I Cannot Wish You, the most boring song in the world. So he gets Bohemian Rhapsody because he has the high notes and you've got a snooze fest. What do I do? I, I, by the way, I'm on a TV show. I can't say yes or no. I don't make the decisions. I do what I'm told. You can start up. No, I don't throw a fit. I will make more I cannot wish you more that they could ever wish for that song. I'll believe it when I hear it and I won't hear it because it's too boring. I've been in similar situations and I'm not naming the projects, but I've definitely been when other people have had better songs than me. And I'm like, I got this one and I would think, but you know, you do what you can and you, you wait your turn. Got a good attitude. Okay, you're back in high school, you're in an AOL chat room, but no one knows you're there because they don't know your screen name is Future Fierro 255. <laughs> other, other kids from your high school are bad-mouthing you and you know some of your other friends are there because you recognize Glinda 112 and she didn't say anything to defend you. What would you do? Would you call them out, call them? What would I say to Glinda for not being like, hey, that's my friend. He's gonna yeah. be a Future Fierro. Um, yeah. I don't ever really like rely on people to fight my battles. I think I'd be, I'd be fine with it. I mean, look, I, I wouldn't, here's what I would do. I would keep that up here in the noggin. I would not like confront her, but I would definitely go, okay, I know that about Glinda. Like <gasps> I know that she's just a Galinda and that she's might not be, have my back. It's like friendships. Don't you ever do that where you're like, okay, so I'm going to still be friendly with that person, but they're not going to be like a best friend of mine. Like they weren't there for me. Well, maybe you say, what was the deal? And she could say, actually, while that whole thing was happening, my mother, you know, was making me vacuum my room. So you accused me of something I didn't even do. Thanks. Oh, because it could go either way. Well, then I would try to like float it a little bit more vaguely in conversation. Like, Did you see what those people said? And if she's like, no. But if she's like, yeah, then I'm like, <laughs> noted. <laughs> okay, in the noggin. Okay, <laughs> now it's today. You're filming Pitch Perfect 8. And you're able to get the, you know, you got to pay the rent. You're able to get the feed from the set and you hear all the perfect pitches basically saying like you are severely pitchy and thank God they have auto-tune. What do you do? I just uh, don't see a world where that would happen. And if um, it would, I mm -hmm. think, I don't think I'd retaliate. Not retaliate. You wouldn't just take your lashes off, storm to the set and be like, what you are waiting, you know, I, I, there's this thing like you think that like I have like, like people have meltdown. I don't, I've never been like, a, <laughs> no. and then I chucked the water at the director and said, if you don't change it, I'm out of here on the first flight. Like I'm I just saying, I, no, I was just saying, but don't you go up to me? Like you guys, I can hear you. And by the way, I'm not pitchy F to the off. You know what? I think that's exactly what I would do. I would try my hardest to go over there in the most Zen way and actually at this stage in my life say, hey, I heard everything. And I just think that what you guys say is first of all, not true. And even if you thought it was true, and then I'm not gonna say the rest. Oh. Because I'm not gonna like go there like when I don't actually have to go there. But if I had to go there, I would go there. Okay, so you know what I mean? you'd keep it in the noggin in high school, but you'd be more confrontative in a healthy way. I think way. in that situation, I think I'd feel so betrayed. I'm like friendly with all those people, like such good friends, like I feel like, each one of them in, in their own way, like we've had like a beautiful bond or a moment or like even like, especially on a first pitch perfect where we would all like, you know, talk about the script and be so excited. And it was like a very like theater, you know, putting on a play kind of atmosphere. So I would feel a little betrayed. Okay, I buy it. Now, two more questions. 
Right now, if you could tell anything to someone from your high school, what would it be? It could be a person from your high school. It could be your entire student body. It could be a particular teacher. What would you like to say to them? There was this one chorus teacher who was <laughs> incredibly serious and self-important. And I would say, I'm sorry for cutting your class so much. He knew that I was cutting it a lot. And I was going to the theater director had this like video editing class, which was like a BS senior class. And it was right next to the chorus room. And I would stay through the warm up and take the bathroom pass and basically chill in the video room like for most of it and kind of come back like towards the end. And that wasn't good. That wasn't right. Okay. And let's say 15 year old scholar Lipstein is listening right now. What would you like to say to him? To like, I think I've actually done this fairly well to not relish too much in the professional accolades and really rely a lot on the personal ones and like things that really mean something to you that like that's much realer and the other stuff comes and goes and the personal feelings of validation within yourself, within your own self-worth. And then from the close people, you know, closer than as, as close as family, those memories and moments and affirmations will get you through the highs and the lows and just like in a horse race, if you look to your left or your right, you lose a leg. And it's just like, stay focused on yourself. Don't worry about anything, uh, anyone else. And I would say that because I don't think that I've actually struggled with it. So I would just want to reiterate that. It's very important to me. And I would want to almost be like, that method of thinking does pay off. Very healthy. Skylar, it's been a pleasure. See you on TV or on the Broadway or in film. Oh my gosh, I would love that. Is anyone casting? Nancy? Nancy? God, she dropped you. She, you're just too Jewish here. Seth Rudetsky's Back to School is produced by Sarah Esikoff. Our theme music was written by me, Seth Rudetsky, and sung by me and Maggie McDowell. Our band was me on piano, Mark Schmid on bass, Carrie Meads on drums, and Jim Hirschman on guitar. This episode was mixed by Sarah Esikoff. 